You know, sometimes it just takes a conversation, some honesty, things like that, face-to-face meetings. They all work. And we found out, and I found out through some reporting, that that's exactly what happened in Devin White's situation. You know, he demanded a trade back in the spring. Um, it got a little ugly, certainly with fans. Didn't want to play for the $11.7 million 50-year club option. All of that didn't come to OTAs, um, so on and so forth. But you know when it turned? It turned sometime late in March, right about the time of the NFL owners' meetings, that Devin White flew back from his home in Louisiana, and he sat down with Todd Bowles, and he sat down with Bucks GM Jason Light, and they didn't promise him anything, but they just kind of explained to him what their plans are. And how they, you know, want to see what what they need to see from him, more consistency, continue on to do the things he's done well, improve on some of the things he hasn't. And and the plan all along has been for him to remain a buccaneer. And and at the end of the day, look, you know, he, he convinced or tried to convince us when we finally talked to him for the first time about this situation on Monday that you know, he just he just wants to be here long term. He wants to be like Levante David and, you know, get his deal and be a buccaneer. Um, and that was the whole crux of this. Now, as I was sitting there, Steve, I gotta tell you, he's a grown he's a grown man. I mean, he's a, he, and he is in great shape, and this dude is a rare dude, you know, like two hundred and forty pounds, two hundred and forty five pounds of just, you know speed and strength and and athleticism and all that but he's 25 now 25 is is a grown man and he's certainly that but i also think that you know when a, when a guy comes in the nfl at 20 years old accomplishes what he did so quickly wins a super bowl all those things it, you can get a little over your skis you mm-hmm. know and and i just think that devin kind of had an expectation that maybe wasn't as as realistic as as maybe it should have been. He just figured, well, my contract's up, but it really wasn't up. There was a fifth-year option that maybe he did or didn't understand or, or couldn't accept. But at the end of the day, the guy the guy is just a football player that wants to get paid. And if if you're out there and you're getting you're getting angry at a guy who who wants to secure his future, and I know a lot of people are like, well, he's going to make eleven seven. Is it can he get by on that? Yeah, that's not the point. I mean, this is professional sports. These guys put their lives and their careers out there on the line every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it was a, it was about business, and he said as much. He goes, "Look, you know, it was it was business, man." And I, and I appreciate the people that came after me, and even the ones that were on my side. But if you take one thing away, it's that I want to be here. I want to be a buck for life. Well, the thing is, is this happens more often than you think. It just mm-hmm. doesn't always become public. Right. Right. And I mean, this is a negotiation. This is business. This is, mm-hmm. you know, this is what happens every day in contracts. Sure. You know, the only the only issue, and you, you talked about honesty in the conversation they had, is today he kept saying it's not about the money. And it <laughs> well, is. I mean, it's, it's it, maybe it's not when only. When they say it's not about the money, yeah. it's always well, exactly. about the money. <laughs> maybe it's not only about the money. Yeah. But it definitely is about the money, and and I don't have a problem with that. These right. players have limited shelf lives of their career. 
Oh yeah, like one go, play. Go get as much as you can. Absolutely. You know, I'm Absolutely. never, I'm never going to fault a player for trying to get more money. No. Uh, you know, now, like I said, it's it is about the money. Yeah, and there may be sure. other things. I mean, you like it here, you want to stay here. That's part of it, and maybe you'll accept a little less to stay here. Mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. you don't want to play for eleven seven this year. You want to play for nineteen or twenty million. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. The CBA doesn't allow or doesn't force the team to have to negotiate with you to pay you more than eleven seven this year. Not if you're a first round pick. No. Right. And and because that's the, the, the deal that's been negotiated between the, the players union you and bet. the owners. Mm-hmm. So they only have to pay him eleven seven this year. Right. Which is a huge raise. It's not mm-hmm. the top five average of, of guys at his position, but it's certainly more than the, you know, four million dollars or so that he had been making. Um there's, and, it, and you're right. It is about them. You know what else it's about, too? And he, ma- he made reference to this, and I thought it was interesting, um, is that he kind of said that, you know, it's just about being a guy who was drafted here and doing a lot for this program. He felt he's earned it. The Bucks want him to earn it. Don't think he's earned that contract just yet. But he believes, look, and, and you can see his perspective. I came in as a rookie. We won a Super Bowl. I was huge during those playoff runs and the, and the interceptions and the turnovers and things like that. Hell, I rode my horse around Raymond James with a Super Bowl trophy. Who's done that ever? And then I made a Pro Bowl the next year. And I've led the team in tackles, and I'm a three-time captain. I could go on and on and on and resume this guy to death. And so in his mind, he's like, I've I've put enough out there. I've got enough film. I've got a ring. I've got enough, you know, stripes on my shoulder. I should. It's time for me to get what I think is mine. And the Bucks were like, "Well, yeah, but it's not." Um, and we think there's more that you can do. And we have this fifth year option that, at the end of the day, you know, the the you guys negotiated, and so we're going to use this because it's in the best interest of our team, doesn't mean we don't love you. doesn't mean we can't come to you at some point in the season and go, you know what, you are worth that 20-something million dollars a year. We're going to give it to you. But it just means that this is the system, and we want. We think you can be better. We think you can get paid. We always wanted to, you know, to, to have this long-term deal with you, but we can't. We were, there were 53 million or 50, whatever it was, some 50-something million dollars over the salary cap um, and yes, you know, you can do things with a new contract and maybe even lower the eleven seven number or whatever. Um, but this was probably not the best year to try to sign somebody to a hundred million dollar deal. No, they're trying and, to they're trying to get rid of much of that dead cap money. This yes, year. I mean th- this right. year is the year they're saying, okay, the last three years we pushed money down the road. Yeah, and we're not pushing it any further. We're mm-hmm. eating most of it this year. There's a, I mean, they did renegotiate contracts with like, you know, a couple of players to push some money back, but right. That and they're eating it on the mil- cap. Yeah, that fifty-five right? million. Yeah, essentially that fifty-five million. They were, you know, over. Now it's what like thirty-five million of its dead cap money or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taking that this year. They're not going to pay you eight million dollars or nine million dollars more than what they have to this year. Right. They're happy to and next year. Sure. If you finances it, are better to you, yeah. yeah. And the cash flow is better. Because here's the thing. When they would redo those contracts and they would say, okay, 
uh, Mike Evans, you want to give us some cap space. We're going to pay $12 million to you now of the 17 or 18 or 19 million we owe you. That's cash money, man. Like that, that money's already been spent. Sure. There's, there's cap residual, which is an accounting thing, but, but the Glazers paid out a lot of money to keep this team together mm-hmm. and they didn't win another Super Bowl. They got close. They won the, they went to the playoffs twice, they won the division twice. Um, you know, we remember the Rams game that Bucks looked like they were going to come back and win, but they didn't get back. But they spent a hell of a lot of cash to to sort of you know restructure these contracts, extend them, um, pay guys up front. That's real money. And now the accounting business comes due and says, no, 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 you're way over the salary cap here. So they want to get their books back in order, and then you know then they can move forward with. You know they've they've been able to re-sign a guy or two. Godwin obviously did a two-year deal. Um, you've seen Jamal Dean, you've seen Carlton Davis over the last couple of years, but this year not not so much. You know, uh, it's, you know I mean, look, Levante David, the guy. Here's the here's the thing, and Levante David, who's the guy that Devin White respects like a brother more than anyone on the team, and wants to be him, wants to be like Levante. He even said so in the quote that he gave us. Levante David is playing for four million dollars this year. Now he can make probably close to eight million or so if he stays healthy and plays a lot of games. But this cat went from twelve five the previous two years down to four. You know? And and he's played what, twelve twelve seasons already. So I mean, you know, if that's the guy you aspire to be and he's willing to come and play for four million dollars, I know he's not the player that, that you are if you're Devin White or you know, Certainly, he's you know he's lost some speed and, and playmaking ability, but he's still very very good. And they wanted him back. And all you have to do is look at that guy and go, well, yeah, I'm not 33 years old or 32 years old, so I'm in the prime of my career. I understand why he's not getting paid what I am. But that dude was willing to sacrifice and come back here and play for that. And I'm sneezing at 11-7 because I'm I can't wait another year. And again. I want them to get it now. I want them all to get it now if they can't. It just wasn't going to work this year. But the main thing is is that after his conversation with Bowles and after his conversation with Jason Light, and they, they sat him down, he just said, you know what? It's business. And he says it's in the past, and I'm going to go out there and focus on what I can do to do better and set myself up for what I want uh, so that it can't be denied. And that was, I'm sure, the message right there uh, from Todd and from Jason Light was, like, look, this is all up to you. If you go out and play the way you know you're capable of and we know you're capable of, of course you're going to get it from somebody. We'd be happy to pay you the $100 million or whatever it is and, and hope that you wouldn't go somewhere else. You know, And, and so you know, no one's saying well, you're not going to get your contract. We're just saying you got to go out and do it again. And then, then there's no doubt whatsoever in anybody's mind. And so you know, that, that's a hard thing to hear. Um, but he said, at the end of the day, man, it's over with. I'm on the field. I'm going to go hard. Uh, I'm embraced by all the guys, you know. I'm out there trying to make everybody better. And, you know, he he wants to stay here. He says he feels comfortable here. He talked about having a, what, a nine-horse or 12-horse stable, whatever it was. He has no desire to leave. But, boy, it, it, it got really chippy sort of in the offseason reading some of those Instagram posts and comments and whatnot. Um, but I believe him. I believe that Devin White is all in for this season. And look, there's not another player, I don't think, Steve, other than maybe Baker Mayfield or someone, that has more to play for. You know what I mean? Like, the carrot is out there. 
whether it's this team or another one. Like he's put himself out and said, hey, I want to be one of the highest paid linebackers in football. Okay, so show us you're worth it. And I think the guy's going to come out and play with his hair on fire. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask and all of that, we'll get to the quarterback competition and what's going to happen beginning on Friday for the first preseason game against Pittsburgh Steelers. But first, you already know it's hurricane season in Florida, but the good news is you can keep the power on without breaking the bank, and that's with solar battery backup power. There is no fuel cost to run it, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance costs, and May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty on their solar battery backup. Plus, solar battery backup saves you hundreds of dollars each month. If you lose power, a generator can cost over $2,000 a week just to run. Solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit for the new systems or for adding battery to your existing Enphase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or you can visit mayelectricsolar.com. Okay, in a day or so, because they don't have to name anything anytime, any soon, uh, Todd Bowles is going to announce or tell us, uh, otherwise let us know, uh, that um, Baker Mayfield is going to start this game against Pittsburgh on Friday. I think Peter Report might have put that out uh, b- before others, but uh, it's true, and it's not a shock. If you do the math, there's three games. Um, you start Baker in game one, Trask in game two. Well, when you get to game three, a couple things, you know, you want to play the starting quarterback, but you want to play him with the starters and you want to get him out of there. You don't want your starter going in there late playing with backups, maybe getting hurt. So if you were to start Trask in week one and Baker in week two and Trask in week three, well, then Baker's coming in the game late uh, with backup players at some point. And if he's your starter, you're exposing him to a bigger chance of injury. So I just think the math works better this way. Um, and people might be like, well, you know, what about it? It doesn't mean that, that Baker has won the job. That's for sure. Um, I've said all along that this is going to play out throughout the entire preseason. Uh, it's possible that after that jets game that they could say, you know, especially the, the joint practices that one guy, uh, or another has kind of taken the lead and, and they want him to get the, the two weeks, weeks of preparation for Minnesota. So that could happen. Um, but I, I just, for so many reasons, you know, there, there's been, there's been people in our business, uh, and and I don't, I don't have a problem with guys watching practice and keeping score. I really don't. Um, but there's been this narrative that Baker Mayfield is suddenly like playing really bad, and he's going to lose his job to Kyle Trask. And I'm not making this decision, so I, I really can't say whether he will or he won't. But I do know this. If you're going to start counting like training camp interceptions and certain drills and things like that, you can really skew the picture one way or the other. And it is not, in practice, it is not like a game. Okay. I mean, again, you go back to Allen Iverson. I know it's important. I do, man. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? The football is the whole game, right? It's so important they named the, the, the game after it. And, and you do not want to turn it over ever. It's never a good thing. There's never a day where a quarterback makes a throw and throws a pick and the coach goes, wow, that was a great attempt right there. Good job. Too bad it got intercepted. No coach does that. The, in, turnovers are bad. Touchdowns are good. It's a simple game, okay? Having said all that, 
these guys are not playing football. Okay, this is not where you know you go to practice, they kick it off, and you and you go at it, offense against the defense for sixty minutes. That's not happening. Okay, what's happening is you you've got a bunch of different days stacked together, and certain days you have one game situation, which might be the coming out drill, or it might be the two minute warning, you know, a two minute drive, or it might be red zone. So you have different periods. You have seven on seven, eleven on eleven. A lot of that, and that happens every single day, okay? Now, when they alternate reps, okay, one day Trask, like he was on Monday, got all the first team reps, and that means to say that the number one offensive line, usually Kate Otten, usually Mike and Chris, those are the guys, you know, Rashad White in the backfield. They're the starters that that he's playing with. Okay, one, those guys are a hell of a lot more talented than the guys behind them. There's a reason they're starting in the NFL. Um, so they're going to make you look better. Okay. So my point is when do the interceptions occur? Are you playing with the number one unit? Um, are, are you throwing it to a bunch of rookie receivers that may or may not go the right route? You know, in other words, it, it's very hard to judge. And on top of that, two other things. One, I've talked to quarterbacks about this before, including Brad Johnson, who was one of the better uh, touchdown interception interception ratio guys in the league during his career. And he would say, Rick, I don't care about what I throw an interception in training camp. It doesn't bother me. And you know why it doesn't bother me? One, it doesn't count. And two, when do you want me to find out what I can do or not do in this offense? In other words, don't you want your quarterback to stretch the boundaries and see what he can get away with so that when it does become Sunday or Monday night or Thursday night or whatever – that he doesn't make that throw or he doesn't make that mistake again. Like that's part of of training camp. It's training camp. It's not preseason. It's not the regular season. And so, you know, another another element of this is, in addition to who you're playing with when the turnovers occur or who you're playing against, um, when did it occur? In other words, if you're down doing red zone drills and – you know you've got like the last four plays of practice, okay? And you get down to play four, and there's this guy out here who's been running routes all day. Maybe you didn't get him a ball. Um, and regardless, they snap it. You drop back. The clock is going. It's almost to three. It's almost to – you know, at that point, it's like it's your last rep, okay? So here's this guy busting his butt back in the end zone. You know what? I'm going to try to fit it in there and give him a shot because he hadn't had a chance to make a play today. Maybe I can see what I can do and, and you know how this guy finishes his top of his route and all that. So let me take a chance here. And it gets picked off. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he threw that interception. It was the last rep, right? It, w- it was like those things happen, and, and, and I haven't charted all whatever it is, seven or eight, or I, I don't think it's more than seven, but if it is, it is. I know Trask has maybe one, okay? Now, on the other side of that, okay, so Trask has one pick. Good for him, really good for him, taking care of the football, what you want. How many throws has he turned down? See, we don't know that. In other words, you might have some shot plays called where the guy is coming open and Trask doesn't want to put turnovers on film, so he just keeps checking the ball down, checking the ball down, and not making big plays, whereas Baker is also documented on, you know, hitting big plays down the field all the time in practice. 
So that's another, you know, what, in other words, what am I looking at here? You know, it's just not that simple. Um, so you can add up all the red zone interceptions you want uh, or all the red zone touchdowns, for that matter, that you want and try to pick a quarterback that way. But it's, it's just like it's no one thing. It's certainly not that one thing, right? Now, now again, Baker Mayfield, since he came into the league, has thrown more interceptions than any quarterback in the NFL. Think about that because you had a guy here in Jameis Winston that threw a hell of a lot of them, but he's played longer. So, I mean, it's like he has this proclivity for turning the ball over. So when you see it in practice, people are going to be like, yeah, that's who he is. He's going to hurt you. He's going to turn it over. Eh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. All I know is he's learning a new offense. He's got new teammates. He's trying to pick up on their body language and their, the way they go in and out of breaks, all that stuff. So is Trask. But if Trask, Trask is just merely trying to throw it from A to B and not looking down the field at C, because I haven't seen him hit many down the field throws. I really haven't. Um, so that's going to factor into the decision as well. In the end, it's a gut decision. In the end, it's can I lay my head on the pillow in Minneapolis that Saturday and know what I'm getting the next day from my quarterback? I'm not sure you'll ever know with Kyle Trask until you play him. Baker Mayfield is a more known commodity. And I'm just here to tell you, when you hear those numbers, don't think that, oh, my, well, then Trask is clearly going to be the starter. It just That's not the deal. That's just not how you, you, you judge these guys in these sort of scrimmages or simulations or seven-on-sevens, whatever it is. Uh, it's got to be more than that, and I, and I think that it will be. Um, and again, love what Kyle Trask has done. I think he's a different player than he was the first two years. He knew he had no chance of getting onto the field. He's really committed himself to understanding this offense and being able to run it, and he's run it pretty good, with the exception of not many balls down the field. you know. Um, but he's done his job, and he'll be ready if they call upon him. I just don't think they're going to call upon him for week one in Minnesota. It's just my opinion. We'll see how it plays out. But he definitely has has narrowed the gap. And that's a that's a compliment to, to how hard he's worked and and sort of you know where he is in his career. It isn't the, the, the charting the interceptions. It's just like even in a regular season, we've heard Bruce Arians say this many times. Mm-hmm. You sit there and think, you know, oh, the quarterback made a bad throw here. Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually the receiver ran the wrong route. But how do you sure. know that? Right. You right. don't know what route was supposed to be called. You don't know the play that was called. Yeah. Right. Or you don't know that the offensive lineman missed the protection, forcing the quarterback to do X, Y, Z. That's right. You know, I, I re- remember seeing as Tom Brady retired. Mm-hmm. And it was a play early in Tom's career. And he, he mentioned, he said, Tom threw the ball not where he was supposed to on this play, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, Tom came to the sideline and I asked him, what happened? And he went through eight things on that play that happened. Hmm. Well, the offensive tackle dropped back too far, so the edge rusher came inside, and then the running back did this. And mm-hmm. so the receiver cut this, and he went through, and, and built basically went okay. And after the game, went back to the tape, and all eight things that Tom Brady saw happen, happened, and that's why Tom Brady threw the ball where he wasn't supposed to throw it mm-hmm. and why it was a busted play. And it was all these things that happened that – there's so many – football is maybe the ultimate team sport because all 11 guys have to be on the same page. Oh, it is. There's no question. And the quarterback is the most dependent mm-hmm. player on the field. Yes. There, in other words, he can't begin to do his job mm-hmm. unless everybody else does theirs. Yes. Even though he has the ball in his hands, 
forget about it. You know, if if, if people don't do their jobs, he, he can't begin to do his. Yeah, I mean, and like that Brady play was like the offensive lineman did this, this receiver slipped. This did, sure. you know, and he saw all this in two seconds or in whatever. Real time, yeah. You know, and that's when that's it. when Belichick was like, you know, <laughs> uh, this guy's got something different. Something I mean, you know, special here. Yeah, like you said, he told him he went through eight things in order, and that's eight things happened in order on that play on the tape. And it was that's like, how fast he was able to process it, recall it, and then re- recreate it. You know, uh, and, and there's Belichick. so many things that, and especially in training camp running different guys in and out and that, you don't know what was called. And, no. and, 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 it, and quite frankly, the the defense may know what's coming on, well, on a play, and, and, too, that you know it makes it a lot easier to defend. And but, very often, and I know they've tried to split the reps, but very often, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're the number one offense that day, you're probably not going good on good. You're probably going against the lesser of your defensive players, maybe the second, even third stringers. Mm-hmm. So the quality of opponent is also a factor, you know, um, plus Mayfield's learning the receivers to some degree. Trask is too. I think they've both done a nice job. I don't. I don't think that the Bucks are going to feel bad about their quarterback situation if either of them start sometime this year. But they would like to get off to a good start. Um, and there's just more to it than you know counting the interceptions during training camp, which people have their rights to do, and I've written what they well, are. But it's okay to count them. Yeah, but then but you need to figure context. out the context of it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, I, I saw. I think it was Tom Krasnicki commenting that it seems like a lot more of Baker Mayfield's passes are getting tipped at the line of scrimmage in practice. And well, maybe you know, I, maybe I mean, it is, and, and and I'm not, you know, not criticizing it, but we do know he is a shorter quarterback, and that that may be that may be happening, or or maybe it's because he's trying to see where I can find holes in my offensive line. Or gaps, I should say, not holes, but gaps where I can throw it and, and figure that out. You you just don't know. Oh, well, I mean, I think in general, you know, if you're if you're pushing six foot and that's about it, um, yeah, those defensive linemen, especially mm-hmm. when they're blocked, they they have no recourse except just to jump straight up. Yep. And he's had his share of passes knocked down. I always I always say this though, like guys that come, you know, he was number one pick out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. The guys that play college football in those major conferences now. Their offensive linemen are six foot six too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So it's not as if you go to the NFL and it's like, wow, I can't see over these big guys. College football, they're every bit that size. Yep. So Maker Baker Mayfield has thrived, um, you know, from before his college days, and then certainly, you know, at a, at Texas uh, Texas Tech and and uh, and then Oklahoma. Um, so he can do it, you know. And and again with with Bowles, or I'm sorry, with Canales's offense. There's so many um, motion type throws off platform, the bootlegs, the waggles, the you know all that stuff, and Baker's very very good at that rhythm passing when he gets out on the edge. So, I I still think it's going to be Baker, not just in this first preseason game, but probably at Minnesota. Um, but I think it's interesting that people draw a lot of conclusions uh, about numbers that we put out there. Um, about regarding you know interceptions and things like this because they are they're they're going to stretch it and both guys are learning the offense and and you know Kyle has done a really good job protecting the football I mean that's been encouraging really encouraging and Baker has a history of not doing that and that could come back back to bite them but um, you got to get ready for Minnesota you got to get ready for the season and you have to take some shots you're going to get some balls batted up in the air and some balls picked off. You're going to have some bad days, as Mayfield acknowledged that he had. Um, 
but I don't I don't know that it's going to be as simple as well. Here's the tiebreaker: Baker had seven picks and Trask had one. That's how we're picking our starter today. It's just not that simple. But good for Kyle. You know, so far he's he's done a nice job, and and you know he hasn't thrown the ball down the field very accurately as much as Baker has. But and that's part of it. You know, he's content with moving the chains when it's there, and you know he'll take his shots now and again. But they're just they're different quarterbacks uh, running the same system. So still a friendly competition. They still like each other. Uh, you know, they're just trying to make the position battle better. Um, but we're going to learn a lot in the preseason. The guy that can help himself the most, obviously, is Trask because he would barely play in the preseason. And when he did, it was a bunch of guys are going to be working for UPS next week, which is nothing against UPS. It's a fine organization. Um, but they weren't going to be in the NFL. Um, you know, so uh, all that matters, right? Like, like now Trask is going to be playing with starters uh, at some point for a little while and he's going to look much better uh, in addition to just, you know, being in his third season now. I mean, he, he admitted, he says, look, I'm, you know, I'm a different guy. Like it's a hundred percent difference of what I was to what I am now, you know, and he's into it. He's being successful. And, and you know what? We'll see. It'll play out with whatever training camp amounts to. And if it doesn't go well in the beginning, I think, I think that Todd Bowles will have a short hook because Bowles needs to win. Every coach does, but he really needs to win. And, you know, he can make that change anytime. So we'll see how it plays out. But I just wanted to get on my soapbox about counting interceptions, which is it's fine to count, but let's also give some perspective and some con- um, context uh, to the discussion because, you know, it's not about who throws the fewest interceptions. Um, there's just a whole lot to playing that position uh, that that doesn't even involve throwing the football, believe it or not. And that's a big part of it too. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Speaking of reporting numbers, did you realize just doing that could get a, an announcer suspended indefinitely? <laughs> no. This is the dumbest story in the world, but yeah, tell it. So apparently, Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown has been suspended by owner Angelos, Peter's son, I think John Angelos, I believe. Sounds right. For pointing out that the... Orioles were three and two at Tropicana Field this year after going three and eighteen the last three seasons. Okay, so Apparently far. reporting that negative info about the last three seasons when the Orioles stunk mm. uh, can get you suspended. Just just by saying what is factually correct. Well, not only factually correct, but it was in the Orioles notes put out by their PR staff. They created television graphics to go along with what he was saying, which meant that was done hours beforehand. So the whole truck knew, the producers yeah. knew. Well, usually usually what happens is the TV guys, producers and graphics guys and, and mm-hmm. the announcers, all they all they all have a conference call usually 9 or 10 in the morning. Right. The announcers do, the, the producers, the directors, all this stuff. So what we're going to talk about tonight. 
on the pregame show on this. What? Hey, we want to feature this this player. Uh, you know, X. You know, this player is really on a roll lately. Let's talk about this. This player struggling. You know, whatever. And a lot of it, they'll do off the team's notes as well. Oh, they had a note that the they you know are batting four eighty two and with runners in scoring position in the last ten games. Let's talk about that. Let's do that. I mean, that's that's what television does. It's very prepared ahead of time. It's not like he went on a limb, and it's not like no. he said, "Boy, the Orioles really stunk the last few years." It was just pointing out they've won as many games in five games this year at Tropicana Field as they did in the last three years combined. You could argue that he was actually lauding his team in the in the best way possible to say, "Look how far they've come." Yes, you know, look, look, look how in just a short year or so, this team couldn't win a game here, and, and now they're winning full series. And we're, you know, we have a first place baseball team. Like, mm-hmm. could easily have been turned around. I, yeah, this is a dumb one to me. I think they already probably regret it. Everybody's sounding off about it. Certainly. All the broadcasters and Susan Walden. Oh, oh my goodness gracious! He got suspended. Um, I just have and, to. I mean, I, I, I look. I, you can suspend a person for it. I mean, you know, if you told them not to be critical, could you technically say that was critical? Sure. Mm-hmm. I just got to think. There's got to be something more. Well, like there could it, be. maybe maybe it wasn't something on the air. I mean, it, it just. I mean, this is such a weak argument. To suspend a guy. Well, and I, I don't know who I think maybe it was John Sterling. I don't know, but somebody said, like, look, they had a graphic behind the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, producers and graphic engineers and all, they they put it in the notes, and then they had a, a prepared meeting that, that told Brown that, look, uh, you know, at this at this minute in the broadcast, we're going to go to the, the Orioles record at Tropicana in the last year or so. And they got it all up there on the big screen. So it wasn't just one guy. I mean, this mm. this was actually a planned segment where he was going to discuss, yes, you know, the disparity in in uh, in wins against against the Rays. It, it's just, I, I've I, I've been lucky that I've worked with lots of announcers, lots of teams, lots of radio Hall stations, of fame, Hall of Fame, oh, absolutely, yeah. and and they've had a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part now, announcers are employed by teams. That's right. Not all of them. There's still there's still a handful that aren't. And the national broadcasts aren't, of course. But your team broadcast, the ones you watch on your regional cable provider, yeah. you know, most of those announcers are employed by the team. Not all, but most are. Mm-hmm. But, but they also, even if they're not employed by the team, the team has some influence over them. I mean, they're covering your team. And, and that's, that's their boss. I mean, yeah, really, you know yeah, what I mean? Like it yeah. is. But most organizations give announcers a certain amount of leeway. I mean, if we've lost 10 in a row, you can't sit there and go, well, it's a 10-game losing streak, but, man, they're playing great. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, uh, that. nobody would ever believe or listen. I mean, you know, you have to have some honesty to it. Now, you know, do you have to go on and go, you know, the Orioles the last three years were abysmal. Right. They no, sucked. I mean, yeah. you can sit there and say they were rebuilding. I mean, there's ways to to say it and still have credibility in that, and teams give you that leeway for the most part. Right. If this is if that's what he was suspended for, my goodness. Oh boy, can he bar the door? Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense at all. And I mean, it's pointing out a fact, a stat, and and, and he was well, trying to do it in the way that hey, look how well the Orioles are playing this year. 
That's my point. Like you can look at that two ways. You can easily say he is he is actually complimenting this mm-hmm. year's Oriole team for turning it so completely around. Yes. You know, it, there was no more domination of a single baseball team by another than the Rays over the Orioles during that stretch. Right, it was 18 and 1 a couple of years yeah. ago. I mean, try going 18 and 1 against, you know, Steinbrenner High School would be tough. Well, maybe not that tough. But yeah, you get my point. <laughs> um actually they're a very good baseball team, yeah, so well. I'm not trying to slam them. I could have said Sickles. They won the state title, uh, but but yeah, like it's 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 just baseball, you know. As as somebody's fond of saying, so I I don't know, man. I think we the Angelos have you know before him, Peter, his dad was you know one of those you'd hear stuff, right? You hear stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the greatest organization to work for. Like, um, so I don't know. I don't know where this came from, but this is not, you know the the fireable or even you know indefinite suspension type of fence. I just I don't get it, um, and no, nobody else does in the broadcast world either. But it's interesting. It's out there in the Twitterverse. It really happened, and maybe the pushback will help them, or maybe they just said, "Screw it, you're fired now," because <laughs> all these people are jumping on my back. Um, they may not have them back, but um, but yeah, what a what a silly thing to say. So the Bucks will be back out there today uh, preparing for their game on Friday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, preseason game week number one. And we'll see if uh, Todd Bowles has, in fact, made a decision about his quarterback rotation, even though it's been reported that it will be Baker Mayfield, to no one's surprise. Um, but he might have something to say about that. The Rays begin uh, a series. They're home now, right, Steve? Is yes, they got a six-game series here, Cardinals and Guardians. That's right, the Cardinals. There Cardinals, you go. not a very oh. good team this year. So you think maybe they're mo- missing Ro- uh, Randy Rosarena right about now when and he steps Dolis up. Dolis Garcia and mm, boy, <laughs> I mean it's incredible who they've dealt. But yeah, there's some there's some Cardinals here, um, so that'll be fun. And then later in the week, uh, we're going to talk to Matt Baker, our actually tomorrow writer. Tomorrow, oh, okay, great. Yeah, the coaches Fantastic. poll came out on Monday. Yep. Florida State eighth. Okay. Uh, Florida was 28th, so they were part of the others receiving votes. Okay. Uh, Georgia was number one. Uh, USF did not uh, <laughs> did not place in the poll. No votes. Okay. Uh, Georgia number one, one. Michigan mm-hmm. two, Bama three, Ooh. Ohio State four, LSU five. It sounds a lot like last year's college football final. Isn't it? Alabama or uh, yeah, just Georgia, TCU's Michigan. a little further down, but yeah. But there's your there's your blue bloods right there on the top, baby. But man, you know Matt's yeah. going to have, of course, plenty to talk about the ever-changing the Pac Four college football, the Pac Four, the like AAC looking to or, add those schools, hopefully. Yeah, well, which that, would be a big boost for the AAC, bolster their conference. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think the ACC is going to be next to dissolve with Clemson and Florida State jumping ship somewhere. But well, I know, you know the, the ACC and, and Pac Twelve were discussing kind of working together, and then the Pac Twelve imploded. So. Yeah. You know, it's 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 this simple. Okay, so the one thing I love about college football, Steve, and you're probably the same way, is that it's unlike professional football in this sense. That there is a civic pride and there, there is rivalries, and college football is regional, right? Like if there's the Big Ten, and, you know, if Ohio State is, is playing Michigan or or, you know, Penn State or something like that, like everybody in those regions, like that, it, it's a great regional. That's all they talk about, you know, Penn State, Ohio State. Like, oh, 
you know, um, Michigan, Michigan State, all that stuff. Same thing in the SEC. You know, LSU in Baton Rouge at night on a Saturday against anybody is a hard place to win. But it's football in the South, and there's a certain amount of pride. Like, I go to SEC school, and then we play the best ball, and so on and so forth. Now, when you when you combine all these conferences and you lose the Big 12 or portions of it, you lose the Pac, Pac-12 or whatever it is these days, or the ACC dissolves, like, now it's not regional. Now it's just game of the week. But because television, okay, and money, revenue, is what really steers the ship and pays the bills, they're going to do exactly what the networks want. Um, and the reality is the networks know why to do it because for all the love professed about regional and the Big Ten and this, that, and the other, yeah, they're looking at the ratings for Iowa, Iowa State, and they're not good, okay? So don't tell me about your your you know your regional preference because uh, people just want to see the best teams. And I think that's kind of where all this is coming from is that they want to make the most money and and you as a viewer you've shown that there's no ratings for those other games so we've got to feed you something that's you know that's big and and, and exciting i wish i could remember who i saw put this first mm-hmm. you talk about getting rid of the tradition and regionalism yeah but the rose bowl is now the big 10 championship game <laughs> come on <laughs> no, i mean it's going to be what michigan or ohio state yeah. or penn state versus Oregon, yeah. Washington, UCLA, or right. USC. I mean, you know. Because there's no Pac-12, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, the teams that typically went to the Rose Bowl, USC, yeah. UCLA, Washington, Oregon, are going to face, you know, be part of the Big Ten championship game. So. Here they cut the granddaddy of them all, and granddaddy's dead. So, <laughs> done and buried. Oh, boy. That's old Keith Jackson for you young people that don't know the voice of college Who? football. Shame on you. That's right. Look it up. Hey, the big uglies. Oh, he wrecked them down. Oh, and he fumbled Nelly. Wood Nelly. I miss that. I do, too. He Went to Ohio best. State, Notre Dame one time. Uh, one time only. I spent about 10 days in Ohio. God help me. Uh, I was running between, like, wild card baseball. It was the first year they were doing that nonsense. Anyway, long story short, I'm in the press box. It's a great game, Ohio State, and the greatest thing was I'm in the hot dog line, and not just because I was hungry. But then I hear this voice, hey, you got any mustard over there? I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, that's that's Keith Jackson, man. <laughs> like, I know that voice. And so it was just kind of wild. But uh, it, it was, it'd be kind of like, uh, and this used to happen with baseball. You knew this all the time. Like, you hear the, these famous baseball voices, mm-hmm. Long before you see them, they, they yep. walk in and they're two or three tables away, or they're, and then you hear them and it's like that's the late Jack Buck, or that's yep. you know Harry Callis was the one. For Harry Callis was the one. Oh, so recognizable in Philly, walking into press dining and then hearing him talking, you know, yeah. from a ways away. It was like, oh yeah, I used to yeah. listen to him on the the NFL games on Sunday afternoons. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, in addition NFL to him doing films. the Phillies, but yeah, yep. Yeah, Harry Callis. Uh, even Ben Scully mm-hmm. once in a while. Joe, uh, not yeah, Joe Buck, not Joe Buck, but his his father who was Jack, Jack Buck. You'd hear him talk about this, and we got any mustard in here? You know, be like, damn. I guess they all want mustard on their hot dogs, but <laughs> that's all I got for you. Um, but that's but it, it's so much fun. I don't know how we got in this conversation. We we're talking about broadcasting. That was a long time ago. Oh, regional. 
yeah, college football. T. Jackson, I came up with there the you Rose go. The granddaddy of them all is dead. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so there's a, it's like a Robin Williams thing. You just get back there where you were at the beginning. Um, anyway, we will be back tomorrow, and we will have Matt Baker talking about the mess of college football uh, and trying to figure out which team is in which. Co- and it could change while we're talking to him. This is the beautiful thing is that maybe Florida State leaves the ACC during mid-podcast. Could be exciting. So make sure you stick with us. Thanks for uh, listening. For Steve Burst and Montgomery, Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody.